Good morning. Uh, before we have you stand to read our scripture this morning, they're out on the, on, in the lobby. It's been there all every Sunday in July. It will be there this Sunday and next again is just a table to help us in our citizenship uh, here in America with voting and those kinds of things, information. There's a card there uh, this morning that wasn't there. We were handing out flyers, and we found out that the flyer, when you scan it, it takes you to a place where you have to sign up. And we've let them know that because we, we, we want to just give the information. So this card, if you pick one up and just scan it, it'll tell you exactly who is voting, uh, who is, who, the, the positions that different candidates have on different things that are important to us. So grab one on your way out. So would you stand? We're going to be in Hebrews beginning in chapter 5 through into chapter 6 this morning. I'm going to read from chapter 5, verse 9, and then through 6, 9. If you can follow along with me, then we'll do a little responsive reading. Going on to perfection. So Hebrews 5, 9. And having been perfected, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, what? To discern both good and evil. Chapter 6, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Now we get into some tough verses. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift They become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. In Psalm number 101, I'll read the odd and first and odd verses, if you would join together in the second and even verses through this psalm. I will sing of the mercy and, of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. 
He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We treasure it. We understand it's living, powerful, inspired, inerrant, given to us that we might hear you, know what you're saying. And Lord, you desire that we would, in your word, begin to be growing and maturing, becoming all that you've called us to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, your word, our spiritual food. So this morning, Lord, please take these, these, this passage the things that I've prepared, break them fresh, feed us. Lord, we are hungry to know you. We're hungry to walk with you. We're hungry to grow and mature and not fall away, not find ourselves neglecting our faith or any of the warnings that we have in Hebrews. Holy Spirit, please take over right now. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Lord, for our sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can be seated. So the book of Hebrews focuses our full attention on Jesus, our great and forever high priest. Jesus is God's appointed, promised, and anointed high priest over the house of God. That's the church. That we, so the, the whole thing here that's surfacing is that we yearn to know him. Moment by moment. In his holiness, in his majesty, in his ongoing high priestly work for us on earth in heaven. That's what we're... we're going to be visiting continuously, that we would hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, say amen on that one, hold fast the confession without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We are faithless, he remains faithful, and what God has said, he has promised, he will do. All in him, every, all the, there, it's amen, and yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So this whole thing of our salvation, trusting in Jesus is our salvation from sin, death, and hell, past, present, and forever. Hearing Jesus is our, strength, our safeguard against regressing back into sin and unbelief. Having ears to do harden your heart when you hear the Holy Spirit as Jesus speaking to our hearts. And then looking to Jesus is our endurance and encouragement for the race that is set before us. Now, Hebrews is hitting all of these things multiple times in different angles. Jesus is our great and forever high priest. Eleven times it talks about him as our capital H, capital P, high priest. Now, because this text is particularly challenging and controversial, I decided it would be easier just to ignore it and go on. What do you think? <laughs> Hebrews has 303 verses. Five warnings take up 84 of those verses. In other words, 27% of the book are these warnings. Now, I have the, uh, can you get the, here it is. I have those up here if you haven't gotten one yet. So, in Hebrews 1 and 2, the warning is do not neglect. In Hebrews 3 and 4, the warning is do not harden your heart. In, in Hebrews 5 through 7, which is where we are now, the warning is do not fall away. Go on to perfection. In Hebrews 8 through 10, endurance, do not draw back. In Hebrews 11 through 13, reverence, do not fall short. So you have neglect, unbelief, apostasy, willful sin, and indifference. The law of the human mind takes that in order. Neglect will give place to unbelief. Unbelief will give place to apostasy. 
apostasy to willful sin and willful sin to indifference. So we might remove these warnings and still know what God has said. But we cannot remove these warnings and understand what God is saying. So we could remove this 24-verse third warning and not miss a beat. Let me show you in your Bible. In verse 10 of chapter 5, or 9 and 10, and having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, the warning starts in verse 11. We want to, he says, we could speak a lot, but we become dull of hearing. But let's just take it from 10, take out the warning, and where do we find ourselves? Chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. So you, we wouldn't even miss a beat. And yet this warning, 20, it's the second longest one, 24 verses is there and warning us, do not fall away. Apostasy. Go on to perfection and it's centered on the high priest of our confession. So, before the writer explains Mr. Melchizedek for us, the Holy Spirit has a third warning that we will consider in this and two more studies because there is much to consider in these texts. So, we are to go on to perfection. We are to go on to maturity. We are to not lay again. We are to not become sluggish. We are to not fall away. So, three things, my outline this morning, if it helps. Number one, go on in hearing. Secondly, go on in discerning. And third, go on in leaving. Can we have that up there, please? Here's the outline for this morning. Very simple. Go on in hearing, go on in discerning, go on in living. In other words, going on to perfection. So he says, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Hearing Jesus is our safeguard against regressing back into sin and unbelief. It's fixing our ears on Jesus, listening to what we are, we, he has to say through the Holy Spirit. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God. So since you, it says there, since you have become. So something happened. You become dull of hearing where it didn't used to be like that. And you become dull. They had been Christians a long time, but had slipped back, deteriorated. They lost ground through a spiritual deafness in their fact, spiritual faculties. A baby in a crib is adorable. An adult in a crib is tragic. It's time to grow up. It is close to impossible to explain anything to a person who has no desire to learn. Have you been in that situation? The opposite is, tr is true when someone is eager to learn. They're like a sponge soaking it all in. They can't get enough. For the teacher, it's a delight. They listen, observe attentively. They're tracking with you. And when they aren't, they're asking questions. I tell my, I've told my sons this and others. When going to a job situation, let me say, when I'm hired someone, I want them to ask me lots of questions. Because that, that shows, they're inter they want to grow, they want to learn, they want to understand their jobs, they want to do a good job. Now, the opposite is also true when I'm tasked, or you're tasked with a trying to teach someone who doesn't really want to learn. 
And so it's a waste of your time as they stare off into space. You might as well be on another planet, or them might as well be on another planet. And so, a scientist was using the inductive method. Now, the inductive method is drawing conclusions by going from specific to general. So, he, he's observing the characteristics of a flea. Plucking a leg off the flea, he ordered jump, and the flea promptly jumped. Taking, taking another leg off, the scientist again commanded jump. The flea jumped again. The scientist continued his process until he came to the sixth and final leg. By now, the flea was having a little more difficult time jumping, but it was still trying. The scientist pulled the final leg off and again ordered the flea to jump. But the flea didn't respond. The scientist raised his voice and demanded, jump! Again, the flea failed to respond. For a third time, the scientist screamed at the top of the lung, jump! But the hapless flea lay motionless. The scientist then made the following observations in his notebook. When you remove the legs from a flea, it loses its sense of hearing. <laughs> Let me say something. Spiritually speaking, it is the opposite. When we are not hearing, it is as though our spiritual legs have been cut off in our walk with the Lord. Go on in hearing. In learning, the exhortations in this third warning are saying to us, beginning, listen up. Not complicated, listen up. All, to all seven churches in Revelation, two and three, Jesus said basically, listen up. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, listen up. And to five of the seven churches, Jesus said, repent. And some of them multiple times, the same church multiple times. It may be this morning that you have become dull of hearing. I want to exhort you at the same time with an, in, in an encouraging way. Listen up again. Repent. It's Jesus speaking to his church these things. Listen up. He was here. Let him hear. Repent. As he's, as he's pointing out things that need correction, repent. As many as I love or rebuke and chasten, the Lord said to the church in, in Revelation, in, to Ephesus. Hebrews will get into that also. Listen, there is nothing you can do or I can do to change the past. Whatever got us here, since you become, you become, what happened? Well, I don't know, but here it is. There's nothing we can do to change the past. So I say, don't waste your time trying. Leave it at the cross where it belongs. Leave it in the confession that you make. Leave it in the repentance. And then allow, see, godly sorrow produces repentance, not to be regretted. There's never a regret when I repent in sincerity. When there's godly sorrow and I realize, man, this has been wrong before the Lord. This has been wrong and detrimental in my relationship with God and others. And Lord, I repent. I'm not sorry I got caught. I'm happy that I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, repent. Roy Bennett said, failure is a bend in the road, not the end of the road. Learn from failure and keep moving forward, unquote. I say, do it. Do it. The purpose of the parables that Jesus spoke were to reveal and conceal. 
So in Matthew 13, therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will, you will hear and shall not what understand. And seeing you will see and shall not perceive. And for the hearts of this people have grown what? Dull. Become dull of hearing. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, unless they should understand with their hearts and notice and turn, so that I should heal them. That's what God wants to do. He wants to go on. That go on is in the context of God healing the lives of sinners. Can you say amen? He was quoting Isaiah 6, as Paul also did when he went to Rome, when he was taken to Rome as a prisoner in Acts 28. He gathers all the leaders there and tells them all about what happened to him. They heard some of it, but they, firsthand from Paul, come on, I'll tell you all about it. And so he told them the gospel. He told them all about the evidence, all those things. And many of them went away and said, ah. Paul quotes the same thing, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. You see, he's so close. And yet so far, so close to Jesus, hearing, seeing, and yet so far because they turn away and say, ah, I don't want to hear it. Many people turn from the gospel in the same way. I love this in Matthew 9. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn, go and learn, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Brother, may I say to you again, come to the cross. Whatever's happened, since you become whatever, come to the cross this morning. Listen up. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is a great physician. In Psalm 25, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. James exhorts us to listen up to the word of God. Don't be just hearing it, but doing it. See, that's the hearing that the Bible is talking about. Paul's, Paul's exhortation to Timothy, you must continue things you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you've learned them and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God's power for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good. God has given the spirit of God working through the word of God changes people's lives. Hear, listen up. Give yourself to the scriptures. So he says there in verse 13, go on, go, in on, go on in discerning. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to what? Discern both good and evil. That takes exercising. That takes the workout. Working out, not the work out, but working out. <laughs> you see, a babe cannot eat meat. But listen, beauty. An adult can enjoy milk. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
This week I was watching City of Light worship, getting ready for Wednesday night, actually. I played some because we didn't have a worship leader. And I'm watching this. If you've seen City of Light, there's a worship team. I love their music, first of all. Just, I love it. But they play on a stage and there's people all around worshiping the Lord. And as I'm watching it, and I've seen this before, here is this probably about a nine-year-old little boy, my grandson's age, standing there, head up, and just watching this worship. This, this child there surrounded by worship. There's some of these things that are so simple and easy and so rich and sweet. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Worship Him the beauty of holiness. Children can do that. But children, a babe cannot eat meat. Now, what is a babe? I'll tell you what a babe is. A babe is all about him or herself. There are three core values, me, myself, and I. That's just what it is. Self-centered, mine, me, more. 1 Corinthians 3, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? No, it's just spiritual indigestion. Can't handle the meat. Behaving like mere men. Carnality messes up spiritual maturity. Spiritual digestive system. So where these things are happening, God can't speak into them. It's messing up the communication, the lines of communication. It's messing up the ability to discern things because it's me, myself, and I. Ephesians, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. How? With all the things he says. Envy, strife, divisions. That's going to toss us all over the place. Every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, cunning craftiness of which they lie in wait to deceive. There's just this undergirding of, of uh, division and problems in the relationships. A babe has no spiritual discernment or fortitude, knows nothing about working out the salvation. A babe is totally dependent, easily distracted, eagerly entertained, and oblivious to danger. That's a babe. Let me say those again. Totally dependent, which is right. Easily distracted, eagerly entertained. It doesn't take much to entertain a child. And oblivious to danger. Now, there is a time when this is to be expected. But we must not feed these things. What we are doing is trying to train them out of these things. To grow up. There comes a time when these things are damaging and detrimental to spiritual maturity. Babe. So we train them to grow up so that they can discern the difference and grow thereby. The Spirit of God working through the Word of God changes the people of God. God has given us the training manual. It's called the Bible. The ways of men must never replace the Word of God. 
And there are a lot of self-help books out there. I'm not necessarily opposed to those at all, but we better have central to anything else we're reading. The, the hub is the Word of God. If it doesn't measure up to that, I'm not interested. Those who are by reason of these have their senses exercised, discern both good and evil. It's not referring to the process of training, but to the person who is trained. They have heard the word and are learning the importance of exercising themselves in applying it. That's what brings maturity. That's what brings going on to perfection. Their spiritual lives are in shape. Their spiritual senses are sharp. You know, entertainment needs only an applause. But exercise requires application. So I say this morning to me and myself and I <laughs> and to all of us, just do it. Just do it. Exercise yourself to get up. Exercise yourselves to put one foot before the other in walking with God. Refuse to let things get to you. Whatever it takes, fight and cry and scream. And if you're going through hell, then keep going. You'll get through. I'm speaking to myself as well as everyone in this room. We have been given all things needed. I'll read the description in a moment. To find a path of continual growth and maturity as believers. We do not have to stay in an arrested state of spiritual development. We don't want to stay in an arrested state of spiritual development. My encouragement, if you're discouraged, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in you is greater than any obstacle that comes against you. In fact, the resistance of obstacles is many times how the spiritual muscles are strengthened. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, quote, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, do you do have, you have to keep moving forward, unquote. George Whitfield said, press forward, do not stop, do not linger in your journey, but strive for the mark set before you. Mary, Mary Rodmecker said, courage doesn't always roar. Courage is a little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow, unquote. Thomas said, our greatest weakness is giving up. That the most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. If you know the story of Thomas Edison, he knew what it meant to try it another time when just making a light bulb. And finally, Babe Ruth, you can't beat the person who never gives up, unquote. Can I exhort you and encourage you this morning? Don't give up. Keep going on. What does it mean to go on to maturity? It means such things as being fully developed, having marks of wisdom, not just knowledge. The self-discipline and commitment of an authentic walk with Christ seven days a week. The determination to obey God, to submit to the truth of his word at any cost. The ability to nourish myself as an individual believer in God's word. This is going on to maturity. 
the compassion, we talked about that last week, to care for other people who need, whose needs are different from my own. It's the willingness to share in the responsibilities of a household or a business or whatever. And all the above with an attitude of humility and thankfulness to God. An attitude of joy in hearing and learning from Jesus. An attitude of hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit, these things that are impossible with me are possible with God. The Spirit of God works through the Word of God and changes our lives. So go on, then he says, in leaving. Therefore, leaving discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That is not flawless, but completeness. Twelve times in Hebrews, this word is used, translated differently. Perfect, perfected, perfection, but also full age. Also, Dying, interesting. The full thing, full life. The finisher of our faith, the completer of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. See, there's always room to grow. Paul, in writing to the Philippians, said, Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect, perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, you know this, many of you know this passage, one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things that are behind, bad things and good things. But we have to be careful we're not living in the past. But moving on, growing, we must be diligent to leave the past in the past. Dale Carnegie said, remember, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. We spend so much time worrying about these things. Let it go. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, always looking ahead, not back. Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is worthy of the kingdom of God. See, he's saying that because it's so important we understand these principles of how I walk with God and my relationship with God. Pressing toward the goal. The goal rivets our attention on the race that we're running. And then this is the prize takes us off the track and onto the stand. That's coming. Go on in leaving. All growth is relative. He goes on to the Philippians. Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind. And if any... Anything you think otherwise, God revealed even this to you. There is perfect maturity, which none of us attain. There's this whole teaching at one point about the sinless perfection. You know what I think about that? <laughs> that is not going to happen. So there is this, might call, per, but there is this relative maturity, as many as are mature. So there should be a growing maturity, and here's how. You and I, all have, we have all we need to grow right where we are right now. We do not need to wait for God to reveal some new truth before we can give ourselves to spiritual growth. 
And many times that's a wind of doctrine. This is the answer. No, no. The answer is a consistent relationship with God based on the elementary principles that we've learned on how my relationship in this thing with God works. And I'm applying myself to those things. Timothy, I've got some passages here I want to read because Timothy, Peter hit these things in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you through the laying out of my hands by the prophecy with laying out of my hands of the eldership. Paul's saying to his young, at this point, not even that young anymore. He's saying, Timothy, you stay at it. You be diligent. You be an example. Don't neglect these things. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. What? That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It's amazing as we're growing, the impact it begins to have more and more and more in more people's lives. Paul saying, Timothy, be an example. Stay in these things. Peter, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our, Jesus our Lord, as his divine powers give us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Wow, really? Yes, you may be partaker of the divine nature. You can begin to understand what it means to be spiritually, have spiritual depth like you never thought possible. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. He goes on in verse... Five, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, not virtue signaling, virtue. To virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness. Now, this isn't linear, it's an orchestra. So right now, it's godliness. Let's hear it from the, this part of my heart. And then there's, as he says there, faith, knowledge, self-control. So Jesus is a great conductor, and he's saying in our lives, here, here's what we're, we need to grow in. Here's what we need to grow in. Here's what we need to grow in. And Peter's saying, add to these things, for if these things are yours and abound, you will need, be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is a short-sighted, even to blindness, is forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. He's reverted back, digressed. He goes on in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if, these, if you do these things, you will never stumble, notice, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I say, Lord, please, may it be so. So leaving the discussions, not like in the foundation, here they are, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. In other words, our repentance and faith in being saved in Christ. Our baptism in place in the body of Christ. And our resurrection at the judgment seat of Christ. These are the basics. These are the foundational things upon which our lives now are to be built. Christ being the foundation. Leaving the discussion, the elementary principles of Christ. 
Not only again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, the doctrine of baptism, of laying out of hands, of resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. In other words, if this is going to happen, it's got to include God. I like how he says the writer includes himself, knowing this, is, this ain't true for himself. And this we will do if God permits. Now, it's not that these cannot be discussed, but they are no longer questions. You know, no building would ever be complete if they kept redoing the foundation. Not laying again the foundation of these basic things that come along with our salvation. So go on in learning, in discerning, in leaving is to go is going to take God in our lives. So our repentance and faith in being saved by Christ. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. I was saved when I heard and came to Jesus in repentance and faith. And so were you. But let us go on. What about my relationship today with Christ? What about my faith now in Christ? Hebrews spends a whole chapter talking about faith and examples of faith. And then in Hebrews 12, seeing we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily besets us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Am I hearing to obey him today? Let us, what about my relationship with Jesus? Seven churches in Revelation. Listen up. Five, repent. Ephesus was the first. Twice, repent. You've left your first love. And Jesus said, I have this against you. Repent. Our baptism placed in the body of Christ, of the doctrine of baptisms of laying on of hands. I was born again by the Spirit of God, baptized into the body of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. But let's go on, brothers and sisters in the Lord. What about my relationship with the Holy Spirit now? You see, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about this in the book of Acts quite often. In Galatians, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. There's this battle going on. What about my relationship with the Holy Spirit now? In being filled, he says, walk in the Spirit. That the flesh lusts against the Spirit. So you don't do the things you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. There's a freedom now to experience a maturity relationship with God. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So let's, let's, here's what he says. Adultery. Fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness, lewdness. All these have to do with sexual lusts and those kinds of things. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies. This is one of the ugly lists. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. We got some tough scriptures in Hebrews. This is a tough one. Here's you say, look at this is this is the de- this is the deal. Has there been any change? Have you been saved? Do you have the Holy Spirit? In fact, as we get into this, these next verses that are difficult, you've dis- disgraced the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he defines what love is. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law again. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passion and desires. And he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us go on. What about your relationship with the Holy Spirit now, today? Is this the, the relationship that you have in the Holy Spirit in overcoming these things? What about, what about others, loving others and loving those who aren't lovers, who aren't Christians? He goes on in Galatians, say, brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, you are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. You are spiritual. You are mature. In other words, we're given the exercises right here. As far as our relationship of, to the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, he who sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. What about your relationship with the Holy Spirit today? What about being filled with the Holy Spirit today? Paul told the Ephesians 5.18, Do not be drunk with wine in which it excess, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking of in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody heart to the Lord. There's some eminence of the worship of God, the emanating the worship of God that comes from the spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-walked life that is manifested in loving others as Christ loved us. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. See, all these things are Paul to the Galatians, Ephesians, whatever. Jesus to the revelation saying, hey, listen up. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what Jesus is saying. Are we growing? The final one, he says, our resurrection at the judgment seat of Christ. Of resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. I will be raised in glory and give account for my life. And so will you, dear brother or sister in the Lord. So let us go on. What about my relationship with the world today? Am I loving God or am I loving the world? Am I investing my time, talents, and treasures in the kingdom of God or in building my own kingdom? Am I laying up treasures in heaven or on earth? Am I considering the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glories that shall be revealed? See, these are searching, the, the searchlight of God's word to my heart, to your heart. And we're going to take communion. I think it's a perfect time for us to bring our lives before God and say to God, help me, speak to me. Allow me, Lord, at this point, as I, we're bringing ourselves and considering our own faith. You see, these passages are coming up, are challenging. Remember, this letter is written to Jewish believers who are being tempted and in danger of returning to the very things that would keep them from going on to maturity, would keep them from going on to completeness. 
the very things that hold them in bondage to the law and rituals and external observances that were powerful hindrances to walking with God and maturing as a believer. See, these are verses as to salvation and things that accompany salvation. So as we're taking communion this morning, we have to put these things in their proper subordination to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. That's remember his death until he comes. That he is, the, he is Jesus in obtaining eternal redemption. He's the author of eternal salvation. He's the promise of our eternal inheritance. It's Jesus. The eternal work of Jesus, our great high priest, offered once for sins forever. By one sacrifice perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He wants to change us. The assurance that I am saved from the penalty of sin and being saved from the power of sin will yet be saved from the very presence of sin. All and only because Jesus is my great high priest, my forever high priest. How about you? If that's true for you, then this is the time to worship God in spirituals. This is the time to say, thank you, Jesus. He said, we remember his death until he comes. We look back to the cross, looking forward to his return. In the meantime, here we are on earth with Jesus in heaven as our great high priest to bring us to the throne of grace that we have obtained mercy and find grace this morning to help in time of need. Would you bring your walk? You see, there's this joy that comes. There's this hope that we have in Christ and only in Christ. So as these emblems are passed out, if you would hold them, and I'll lead us in taking them together in closing.
So we hold the emblems. There are two. One is an emblem of the body of Jesus broken for us. And the other is a cup that is symbolic of the blood of Jesus shed for us. His body, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. The blood shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. They covered sin for us tonight. We'll be getting to all this in Hebrews. But the blood of Jesus Christ, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from our former manner of life, but with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without spot or blemish. In other words, God's work of redemption through Jesus Christ was perfect and complete. There's nothing we can add to it. And what God wants to do in each one of our lives is add to us and take us from infants to maturity by His grace and His mercy through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a promise to us, and God who cannot lie promised to us that what He started, He will finish. So I don't know where you're at this morning. We're listening to the Word. We're being exhorted, all those things by the Holy Spirit. But it comes down to you and Jesus, you and God, not no one else. That's the one thing about a relationship. You can't give it to someone else because it's a unique thing, every relationship. How much more with the Lord? So we, Jesus said, as often as we take the bread and drink the cup, we do, or Paul said, we do declare his death. We proclaim his death until he comes. So I'm going to, as you take the bread, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. That you would receive afresh, that I would receive afresh the complete and finished sacrifice of Jesus Christ 
for the sin of the world. But more important, for your sin, complete. And just to confess and thank God that he, Jesus, paid the price, the penalty, completely in full, and we have the forgiveness of our sins through his sacrifice. So Jesus, as you take the bread, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's take it. And then, Jesus, on that night you were betrayed, you took the cup, which would have been the cup of redemption. You said, this is my blood in the new covenant shed for you. And we are thankful. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, but the, and then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses a man from all sin. And we are thankful for that. And we would pray, Lord, even now, like 1 John said, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, I pray you cleanse us right now as we hold the cup. Remember your death until you come. Cleanse us, wash us afresh, and help us, Lord, I pray now by your spirit to receive from you by faith what we may not feel, what we, may, we know we certainly don't deserve, but yet you have promised that to us and we put our faith in you. We put our complete, we rest on you, we lean on you, we put our full weight on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. So I encourage you to do that now as we take the blood. Jesus said, this is my blood shed for you. Shall we take it? this now and then ask you to stand and we'll close with a song and you'll be dismissed. Now may God, the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing, what is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord and you'll be dismissed. There 